0: Hey everyone, Pastor Caleb here. I just want to start off by saying thank you for clicking on this podcast, for listening to this message. I hope you'll find time to stay with me and listen to what uh, I have to share with you. And so today I want to talk about James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. This is a message I preached uh, this past Sunday, actually. Um, and so we're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and read some of that in James chapter 2 verse 1 says my brothers and sisters Believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes Also comes in if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say here's a good seat for you but say to the poor man you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts listen my dear brothers and sisters has not god chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him but you've dishonored the poor is it not the rich who are exploiting you are they not the ones who are dragging you into court are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom we belong if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the law, the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, some translations put verse 1 into the form of a question. Possibly a sarcastic rhetorical question, but a question. In In the NRSV says, My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? What a question. He's saying, if you're playing favorites and you're showing this favoritism, do you really think you can play favorites and be a Christian? I mean, do you think you can have faith in Jesus and play favorites? That that question is is a really interesting question to ask. And here's the deal. James is not afraid to put our faith into question. He points out the gap between what we believe and what we actually do. Playing favorites is a sure sign that our actions are not lining up to our faith. I I will uh, never forget a certain service I attended as a kid, uh, and I'm not going to name any names, but it was a special service, and what I expected to be an awesome time of worship and word became an entire service dedicated to one certain leader. There were public officials there who made a declaration that it was this man's day, you know, like um, it, it, I declare this Joe Smith Day, you know, something like that. Of course, his name wasn't Joe Smith. And they even took up two offerings. And they, they wanted to give this person a double blessing, so they took up two offerings for him. It, it was more like a political rally than a worship service. Even at a young age, I knew something was off. It was very awkward to be in a church service that really had nothing to do with Jesus. The truth is we, we can all be guilty of this favoritism. We, we love people that love us back. We love people that can do something for us. We, we admire some more than others. And it can feel natural to give, um, can be natural to give them a better seat at the table. The early Christians were, were no different. Like our world today, those who are successful, wealthy, and have popularity are the ones we want to associate with. The example uh, James gives of the rich versus the poor, the clean and the dirty, is all about sizing people up. You know, it's all about who's who, the 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 clean and the dirty, the, the, the rich and the poor. As N.T. Wright notes in his commentary on this passage, the world is always assessing people, sizing them up, putting them down, establishing a pecking order. And God who sees and loves all alike wants the church to reflect that generous, universal love and how it behaves? The answer is we cannot have active faith in Jesus and be actively playing favorites. That's the real answer to the question in verse 1. We cannot play favorites and be active in our faith. The apostle Peter learned this lesson in Acts chapter 10. You know, you probably know the story. He was he was praying on the roof and he was really hungry while he was praying on an empty stomach. And uh, he fell into some kind of trance, and he started he started dreaming about food. Right, <laughs> um, God gave him a vision about food. God offered him a, a sheep full of all kinds of animals, and told him to kill and eat. Three times it says that Peter and God go about back and forth on this. That Peter says, "Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean." God tells him to not call anything impure that God has called clean. What we find out is that this was about people, not food. The next thing Peter knows is he gets a knock on the door and he's taken to the home of Cornelius, a Gentile. Because this vision, Peter knows because of it, he knows it is up to, God is up to something in it. And, And after meeting with this group of Gentile believers, Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God does not play favorites. Think about that. God does not play favorites. It's one of the radical truths of the gospel, that God loved the whole world, that God is not willing that any should perish, and that Christ, in Christ, there is a new community. There's a new community that's not divided by the race uh, by the class, by you know, the rich and poor, the the Jew, the Gentile, but Christ brings all of those together. The walls are torn down. What Jesus does is reject and condemn our systems and ways of sizing other people up. Jesus condemns our games of popularity, our games of uh, fame and recognition and hierarchy and and, you know, putting people above other people and in, in, in Philippians 2 and 7, it says um, that he made himself nothing. God did not come demanding recognition or fame. In fact, you'll see Jesus constantly avoiding it. He would often avoid the crowds. He would tell people to not share what he did. And, and uh, most of all, he was he was unafraid to be associated with the least in the world, the people that the rest of the world didn't want to associate with. God is at home among the least. The rejects, the nobodies. If you are a person that has no friends, that that feels like an outcast, that feels like you know that you should know that God is at comfortable or, or is at home among you, and He is comfortable uh, with you, and that God is is right there, you know. Um, and if you look at those people maybe that you think oh man they're just they're just a bunch of outcasts or a bunch of rejects. Well I hope you know that God loves those people that God wants to be among those people that's where Jesus went. that's exactly where Jesus went because um, we know that God loves all equally um, but here's the deal God condemns our games of favoritism he he reversed it even and turned it upside down. Um, James says, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith, and to inherit, inherit the kingdom? Think about that. He turns it upside down. It's it's the poor now that are going to be rich in God's eyes. It's it's the least that are first. You know, uh, the people we want to to put up here up high, God has brought down, and and the people that we might want to lift up. Uh, You know, or the people that we might want to put down lower, God is elevating. God has swapped it around. He's all about elevating the humble and humbling the prideful. It's the first that are last and last that are first. We might think we haven't given in to to these systems, right? We're like, oh, no, I I don't do this. I don't show play favorites. But the fact that there is such a thing as a Christian celebrity, you know, to me, that, that tells us something. You know, we have... Uh, the fact that we have um, even our churches are separated and segregated not just even by race but even class right like the, you have rich churches you have poor churches you, you just think about it that how divided we can be and even in our churches we can have groups separated and and really um, uh, not living in that that unity and community and, and showing favorites and we don't even realize we're doing it. Um, it, it's, it's just a fact. And I, I even, I've read articles or, and stories about some of these, even these mega churches that have celebrities come in and they, they even treat the celebrities better. You know, we love celebrities, um, uh, having being, being called Christian. We love it when the famous powerful people, um, are, are among us, right? We want them to, to be one of us because we think that we have more power that way we have more uh, control, you know? Um, it's it's just it's true. We'll say things like, "Hey, they're using their fame to advance the gospel," but I can hear the early church making the same excuses about these rich people that James is talking about. You know, well, hey, they, they use their fame, they use their wealth. They're going to help us. They're going to they're going to um, help our our little church along. They're going to help the gospel, right? And so they would probably want to prefer them, just like we want to prefer people that we think are somehow more special or have more. Uh, recognition and fame. And so this is one of the tough truths, though, is that, and I want to include myself as a pastor. You know, pastors need to understand this. God does not need us to make a name for ourselves. He doesn't need our fame. He doesn't need our power. He he doesn't even need our money. He can make a way, right? He doesn't need us to rub shoulders with the the top dogs or whatever. He doesn't need uh, that at all. He doesn't need our systems of favoritism. To get anything done, uh, he just needs us to be faithful to him and actually practice the kind of life that Jesus showed us to live. Cause see, when we practice that life, then it will do the work it's supposed to do in the world. We can let Christ and the Holy Spirit, the Father, do that work in the world through us. We we don't need to be cool and popular. Um, we don't need to be. We don't have to have some big title or recognition. We need to love everyone with that radical love of God. There shouldn't be any outsiders, really, for us. We every Christianity is not a country club. It's not a community of cliques, but a community of people who are sent out into the world. We are about the other. We are always about those outside of our group. Once you're in our group, you are about the people outside the group. That's the way we should be. We should always be outward focused. That's easier said than done. but That's how we prevent that favoritism. Uh, if you're going to show any favoritism, it's those that need somebody uh, to, to show them love James reminds us that the church uh, to he reminds the church that this is the people who um, these the rich uh, that they are given special treatment that these are the people that are actually oppressing them and blaspheming in the name of Jesus you know we want we want power and recognition in the public square and and so, so much that we don't care that people we support and give our special treatment to actually can do more harm in the name of Jesus you know, that goes from anything from pastors to politicians. We want people who are charismatic and angry about the things we're angry about. We don't care that the TV preacher is using the gospel to get filthy rich and take advantage of his poor viewers. We, we don't care that the politician lacks godly character. We don't care that the, the big rich CEO is actually stepping on the backs of his his workers. We admire them and want their power. We think, oh, God's using them, and maybe so. Maybe God is using them in some way. But showing favoritism, elevating people, uh, all of that, that whole system, God is God is opposing that here. But, you know, and the real truth is what we might not realize is they're doing more harm than good. What are they witnessing to the world? What are they saying about our values? What are they saying about the church's witness in the world? The poor, on the other hand, do not oppress people, right? They have no power. That's what Paul James is going getting at. Um, that's where God love God's love is most displayed through us. Go to the powerless. Uh, when we love people who have nothing to offer us in return, when we genuinely care for those we could easily toss to the side, we are showing the kind of love that God wants us to show. They have no power. They have nothing to offer us. They're not rich. They're not famous. We honestly, they that even the clothes on their back, we we don't want that, right? Because it's it's just people like that he's talking about in this story here people that we we might look at as i don't you know i don't know about them those are the people that god wants us to show love and and mercy and kindness towards because when we do that that we're doing it purely out of the love of god and and it's not about hey they can offer me something right and that's where real faith in jesus is in action we're showing that kind of love that god wants us to show of course it's just more than displaying god's power uh, and love it's about obedience god commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves it's not a simple oh i want to just i want to be a witness to god no this is a command we are to love our neighbor as ourselves and james reminds us that um if you don't keep one part of the the rules you know you're not you're, you're still a lawbreaker you know god you know people want to say well i'm a good christian i'm a good person like i'm well um uh, you're and, and you're living in obedience right uh or in disobedience then then what does that say about your faith? So James really hits that hard, you know, that um, if you want to live up to, what standard do you want to live up to? Then it, it, it better be mercy. The um, uh, the you know the, And that's the last important part of this that I want to say is that um, we don't want God to treat us the way we treat our neighbors at times, right? We don't, we don't want that. Um, or maybe we do. Maybe we are showing the kind of mercy and kindness we want. Uh, but the truth is we want God to love us at our lowest point, right? We want God to have mercy on us and kindness on us. We want God to notice us in a crowd of people who seem more important. We, we want mercy. We, we want mercy. And, and here's the deal. If we want it, then we need to offer it. We need to offer mercy. If we want kindness, then we need to offer kindness. As James says, mercy triumphs over judgment. The next time we're tempted to judge someone or look down on them, we need to remember mercy. Uh, And and what rule do you want to be judged by? Do you want to be judged by uh, the the rule of of freedom and love and mercy, or do you want to be judged without mercy? I think we know the answer to that, honestly. So I'm going to leave us with a prayer. Dear God, I pray that you would help us to not play the games of favoritism, God, that we would not seek after the fame and the recognition and that we would not give fame and recognition to things that you, you would have, have us not do, God, I pray that we would seek after the powerless, the, the, those that are struggling, the outcasts, the rejects, God, and that we would make ourselves at home among them and, and be your light into the darkness, God, that we would be loving and compassionate people that don't play favorites, but are actively showing the kindness and mercy that you have shown us. Amen.